please rise for Psalm Bacardi 151. You'll find this on page 69. Nice of your Sidor. Ani rock cheeseburger behashamayim. There, I said it. Can we please have our synagogue back? Welcome to Off the Film Path. Here we review and discuss movies that, for better or for worse, are less known to the general public. Today we're discussing 2018's The Long Dumb Road. I'm Kyle. And I'm Sophia. So to give a little context for that, uh, we were trying to find something to talk about to open up the episode, and I came across a headline that the Jimmy Buffett brand is opening a Margaritaville resort in Times Square. As part of the agreement to acquire the building, they had to make a deal with a synagogue that was using the first level and had a 99-year lease agreement. So now, there is a synagogue inside of a Margaritaville in Times Square. And if anybody's confused as to what actually happened there, it's part of Jewish liturgy you sing psalms. So what I sang there was actually, I'm just a cheeseburger in paradise. Twitch, I gotta say, very trafe. Yes, super trafe. Although, although you could do vegan cheese and in the more liberal synagogues get away with it. Right. <laughs> For the uh, non-Hebrew literate people, their trafe means food that is not kosher. That's like Jewish haram. Uh, I was not familiar with the term, so I learned something today. Yeah, it's the opposite of halal which is mm -hmm. Jewish kosher. <laughs> right. Or Muslim culture kosher. You know what I mean. I do. But that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> no, we're here to talk about a semi-autobiographical piece starring yours truly. That's where you're going with this. Okay. Uh, yeah. This is a nice little indie movie that stars Jason Mansukis from countless things, many of which he plays very manic characters. <laughs> Those are his words. He has a habit of getting characters who are crazy homeless dudes. Yeah. The one thing I remember, though, that he was not a crazy man in was The Dictator, where Sasha Baron Cohen was the crazy man. And he had to play <laughs> he had to play straight man to Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, God. That's got to be rough. That's Although, uh, as an actor, you kind of relish that challenge. Yes. But also, like... Mm. And the other actor is Tony Revolori, who was in Grand Budapest Hotel and was in the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies as Flash Thompson. I gotta tell you, I recognize it because I am an insufferable douche. I recognized him from Grand Budapest Hotel because I haven't seen a lot of the Spider-Man movies. I've not seen Grand Budapest Hotel. Was he like the main character? Insofar as there is a main character, he absolutely was, yeah. There are kind of a lot of main characters in that movie. Yeah, that's the sense I got just from the trailer. But this is a road trip movie. Boy, is it. It is just a road trip movie. So let's start where all good stories start. At the beginning, he leaves home and I was not able to relate to parents that just let him go off to college on his own. Oh, God. So my parents basically threw me out of the house. 
so I kind of related, but they didn't give me any money when they did it, so I don't super relate. Yeah. I relate to Nat a lot for the most part, but this was one thing where my parents absolutely came with me to move me into college. Honestly, like there was there was a um I didn't realize at first that this was an off to college thing. This could have been anything. And we quickly learned that Nat is an artist. A photographer specifically. Yes, which explains, you know, th- he's also not a trained photographer and not a not a trained artist. And we learned that very quickly because he's snapping tiresome pics of like a Panda Express that is built literally in the middle of nowhere. So I thought that was kind of like an intentional thing of like, let's take pictures of really mundane shit, but make it artsy. I mean, yeah, and, and you could you could make a point with that. You could be like, oh, this is the encroachment of, of capitalism on unspoiled land. Uh, you know, a feeling of impending doom. But, you know, I didn't get the sense there was any philosophy undergirding it. It was just like, I thought this was cool, so I snapped a picture. No, and he even says as much later. Oh, that's right, he does, yeah. Because it's a road trip movie, there's a lot of B-roll of just land and I found it a little annoying, but I also didn't know what else they could really put there. Yeah, but Kyle, have you ever driven through Texas? I have gone from Missouri to Dallas, so part of Texas. Right, okay. So this looks like, you know, it doesn't say where he's leaving from exactly, or like what metropolitan area, but let's assume it's like, I don't know, Austin. Probably, yeah. And he's going to Los Angeles. Which means you have to cross Texas the long way. Yeah. And let me tell you, there's so much Texas. There is so much Texas. My God, there is so much Texas. I am aware. I'm just... B-roll to me is a little annoying. But again, like, it's road trip. The verb is driving. And he's driving alone at this point. There's not much that could have gone there. So I'm not too up in arms about it. Yeah, yeah, it's a little early to get, you know, real pissy about things. Yeah. Also, like, he stops in multiple small, we'll call, I don't even know what to call it because it's not a city. It's, I said small town. An outpost? That's so much better. It's like you have two gas stations and three fast food stops. Well, having lived in an outpost before, there's two gas stations and like three shitty fast food restaurants that you see. There are like 28 trailer parks. You just have to go a couple of miles off the road. <laughs> okay. I've driven a fair amount, mostly the same path back and forth between my current city and where I grew up and vice versa. But all of these look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he stops at some point to gas up and he has some car trouble. But right as the scene started, I noted that they do a little digital insert that shows the location and how far to LA. And I said, that's a nice little touch. That is. I, I, I definitely like the uh, the title card. Yeah. Or I guess title element. Sure. Car won't start, so he goes on foot to find a mechanic. And right as he walks up to a mechanic shop, we see Jason Mansukis. His character's name is Richard, is in a screaming match with his boss. I think it's one way. Yeah, honestly, it it is. It's all like, and this is a Jason Manzukas thing. He's intense. Most of what he does could be described as shouting. And it's actually a little unnerving when he's just like, ah, blah, 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 and it's like not. 
<laughs> his mode is like wide-eyed shouting. But so yeah, he is in the process of either quitting or getting fired. It's unclear. And as he is screaming at his boss, walking away in the middle of fucking nowhere, he walks into Nat and goes, oh, hey, what are you looking for? A uh, mechanic. I need a mechanic. You just found the best goddamn mechanic in the state. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, he's got an ego. Let's see if he can back it up. And he does. Yeah. Gets the car to start. Nat is a very, we get a little bit more characterization because now he has someone to play off of. And mm -hmm. we see that he is a very meek and anxious person. Yeah, which, you know, at first means that Richard kind of walks all over him a little bit. He convinces him to give him a ride to the next town over about 45 minutes away, which don't ever do that. It's not wacky hijinks. It's just stabby alcoholism. My thought on that was pay the man back for free car service, you little dick. I mean, yeah, but also hitchhikers no, are bad. <laughs> I said we find out that Nat's a real quirky kind of guy because he has a film camera and he's going to art school. Uh, of course he is course he is i don't really have a whole lot on this but like no you can look at his hair and be like oh art school <laughs> richard says something that spoke to self-awareness i think it was something like yeah i'm just a stranger don't trust me yeah no like he he did that and then he like kind of like switches foot and goes like dude look look at my eyes look at my eyes i have kind eyes you can trust me and that's just like fine whatever dude just get in the car he's like oh sweet and by the way, I do want to note that Richard has bursts of like competence that are a little bit surprising because when he tells or when Nat tells him that he's an artist, his first question is, oh, what's the philosophy of your art? And Nat being like 19 and not yet, you know, studied art at a, you know, collegiate level went, which, you know, if you're an untrained artist, that's a fair response. But like. Richard knows something about this, and I'm curious as to what. Yeah, it. I just chalked it up as pseudo-philosophy trying to appear as a free thinker, because I feel like people who don't get places in life that they'd like to be, I think is the best way I can say it, mm -hmm. sometimes try to make themselves seem more important by coming up with like their philosophy, however untrained or whatever. And I, you don't need to be trained to do philosophy. I'm not trying to be classist but it's also like maybe you should have some basis in what's already started you don't have to reinvent the wheel but enough about me let's get back to this movie sorry <laughs> no 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 the reason that i make that joke is that this richard very closely mirrors me before i quit drinking because richard is super alcoholic like richard is a champion drinker to a level that i at the height of my alcoholism could have could not have like approached one other thing you mentioned that i will circle back to in more entirety later but nat is 19 and that really threw me off because this kid is someone who lives life close to what is expected of him mm -hmm. would you say yeah i'd say i'd say that's accurate yeah and so most people who live that sort of life are 18 when they go into college and i was thought that was a weird detail that does get wrapped up in some way later and i'll address it then but it opens up another question but later we'll get yeah, to that later yeah we'll, we'll come back to all that yeah so when nat drops richard off 
we discover that Richard doesn't have a great concept of like when he is because the town that he's he goes to this town to catch a bus to Vegas. But when he gets there, the bus station is closed permanently forever. The buses don't come through there anymore. And like, that's not the sort of thing that happens with no fanfare or immediately, especially in desert towns where like that might be one of your only interstate like routes of communication and travel. In this, I made a note because Nat drops him off and then has to physically roll down his window. His windows roll despite this being shot in 2018. Okay, so for our younger listeners, back in the day, car windows did not have the electric thing. You actually had to roll a crank several, like a dozen times to get the window down. It was a pain in the ass, and that is why everyone my age and older has like these jacked forearms. (laughs) (laughs) So Richard is now with Nat for the long haul because Vegas is on the way to LA. So Nat says, I'll take you there. No, it's not. I mean, it can be, but if you like, it's a significant detour. Right. But on their trip, they're shooting the breeze. That's what a lot of this movie is, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. But they talk about their favorite movie. And Nat says The Graduate. Uh, Which I don't know how I feel about that answer. The Graduate annoyed me. I've not seen The Graduate. I just know that if that's your favorite movie, you're kind of a pretentious prick. Well, I mean, it's also the one, like, it's the one movie where that shows, like, the after, like, the few seconds after you convince the bride to run away at her own wedding, where they both go, oh, fuck, I have no idea what we're doing. Right, 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 right. Richard says that his favorite is the Fast and the Furious movies. Specifically Tokyo Drift, because... I don't remember what... He hasn't seen any of them beyond the second one. Right! He gets so excited when he finds out that there are more Fast and the Furious movies. This is a level of joy I'd like to have in my life. He is <laughs> so happy learning that there are more Fast and the Furious, that The Rock is in them at a certain point. Well, dude, all you have to do is devalue everything in your life and become unstuck in time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he is he is super excited. He wasn't aware that, oh, fuck, the guy died. Paul Walker. Paul Walker, thank you. He wasn't aware that Paul Walker died, and that sort of, like, he thought that was a spoiler at first. And (laughs) Nat's like, no, 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 like, in reality, they, like, they used his face, like, old footage of his face, and then used his brother to to finish the rest of them. Yeah, so, again, Richard does not have a good sense of when he is. Weirdly, they put on some music, and this feels like it should be something from Richard, but it's from Nat. Along the lines of Unstuck in Time, Nat has an iPad Nano. Oh my god. Do those even- I thought all those exploded already. Probably. I do technically still have an iPod Touch second generation from- Oh, what year would that even have been? Like 2008. Oh, before they started with the manufactured obsolescence. Yep. And when they had the old school charger, that wide boy- The wide, the wide boy uh, that you could plug into an iPad as well. Remember that? Yeah. I bet you don't, kids. I made the note that the transition from high school to college is very exciting. My cousin just graduated high school, so I kind of get to relive a little bit about that in talking with her because she's very excited. And hmm. I'm like, oh, I 
am not so far out of college that it's foreign to me, but I'm also out of college. It's not new. Yeah. So my, you know, transition from high school to college went via a decade in the military, which I will grant you was very exciting. It wasn't a lot of fun, but it was exciting. <laughs> One last note I have about this scene is a quote from Richard that he says, if there's anything you take away from this, take this away. And I think that is true of this podcast as well. He says, if there's one thing you walk away from this conversation with, it's you gotta eat the pussy. You gotta eat the pussy. Like, you're not doing sex right if you don't. Tell that to Batman. (laughs) That's gonna really date this episode. (laughs) Oh, man. No, that is just like carbon dating. (laughs) Holy crap. Yeah. That news broke like a week ago at most. At most. So, yeah. June of 2021 is when this podcast was. Because, holy shit, Batman eats the pussy. Holy crap. That is some news that I did not expect in Pride Month, first off. Oh my god. I want to talk about this because it's insane and everyone else has weighed in. The Harley Quinn TV show Writers, which that show has... I have some issues with, but whatever. Mostly the anti-Semitism. Can't get into that. Yep. Don't have time. Wanted to have a scene where Batman performed oral on Catwoman. And DC said, no, we can't show that. Because heroes don't do that. Bat shit. That's right. That's right. You heard it here. Well, you heard it from DC. Superheroes do not eat pussy. They eat and they got clowned on. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. Like, if you come away from this podcast with anything, let it be, you gotta eat the pussy. It just, yeah. it's a thing. I said that was the last thing about the scene. I do have one more. Richard is thinking about a girl he is hung up on for 25 years, which, yeesh. From high school, which, yes. double yeesh. Yes. But he's like, I was thinking about, like, what if I went down this other path and whatnot? I said, if you spend too much time thinking about alternate paths, you will go insane. Yes. Take it from me, somebody who has, in the same lifetime, been in the military, unemployed, gainfully employed, unemployed for a decade, shot at several times, not all of them in the military, been everywhere, done everything, multiply degreed still useless don't think too much about what might have been holy shit do not think about that oh also trans don't think too much about what might have been (laughs) how did i forget that one we have a movie that we plan on covering at some point that i'll talk more about it but the idea of not thinking too much about alternate paths is why i don't believe in soulmates i think it's just it's sad like if you Mm -hmm. have one person that you're meant to be with out of like five billion people the odds are super like right the odds are you're not with your soulmate you're not gonna find them there's just too many people right but again different movie yeah we have our first night with richard where they go to a trailer park and richard makes a really good comment that nat is choosing to live in this type of environment and richard was forced to at some point in his life which something something gentrification We'll come back to poverty tourism. We'll save that one for the analysis section, because I hate poverty tourism. Yeah, that that is a big part of this movie. Yeah, so Nat is a rich kid who is slumming it, which, you know, if you're a child and you're spreading your wings for the first time, you might be tempted to do, and maybe that's a good thing. 
I, here I have, I have complicated views on this because like on the one hand it is exoticizing poverty to do that but also on the other hand like you need to know that you are now in a phase of your life where bad things like really bad things can actually happen to you and yeah experiencing poverty is kind of like one way to ground yourself in that i don't think it's the best way but now it's also getting him out of his sheltered lifestyle so you know mixed bag yeah he ends up pulling out some cash when they go to a bar to pay for the drinks because richard doesn't have any but he pulls out a bunch at once because he's a dumbass yeah don't ever do that guys and richard's like wait you got are you rich and he's like well upper middle class and i said that's me my parent i'm not gonna put out their business they do well for themselves to say the least but i very much grew up in a similar situation of like not rich rich crazy whatever but didn't really want for anything well and i will say this on father's day we're recording this on father's day so tribute to my dad for what it's worth we my dad makes a lot of money but he also has five kids so there's never enough money if that makes sense. Um, okay. And there are a couple times where my parents had to go without dinner. They thought we didn't notice. We always noticed. And, you know, I grew up in a slightly different situation. So, yeah. I Holy shit, this movie's about us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this just got weird. <laughs> no, I think, I think it, it makes us uniquely qualified to talk about it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Nat says that he wants to photograph real America, I think is what he says. As opposed to fake America? People say that when they really mean the middle of the country. Again, exoticizing poverty. Yes. Statistically speaking, if I remember this correctly, the average American is in either LA or New York. Yeah. (laughs) I wish. I gotta tell you, if I were in New York right now, life would be at least... 1,000% 1,000% better. <laughs> I would have at least two other girlfriends. Listen, I want that for you, but that's not what, how statistics work. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I know. <laughs> no, but when, when people, I want the average American, cool, then you want to be in one of the major cities on either coast. Mm-hmm. That's how stats actually work. Which also says something about politics in America, but we don't have time. <laughs> We don't do. What else? Nat takes a picture of someone because he's a dumbass who doesn't think. They're mad that he took a picture without their permission, as they should be. Mm -hmm. He's ready to run at the first sign of trouble because, naturally. Yeah, he's a 19-year-old kid and kind of a pussy. Yeah. Again, I would do the same thing. I've been in... Oh my god. Okay, so I've been in a number of bar fights. And I'm not afraid. Like... And I think I think Richard handles this bar fight. I think the fight was over something like I think the actual physical confrontation was over something incredibly stupid. Yeah. But like ah, most bar fights are like there there are rarely bar fights that are for good reasons. So like I think, you know, as it goes, he handled the situation fairly well. He was like, you know, he was kind of, he was really casual about it and, and kind of friendly and just tried to deescalate it first and. The dude was a drunk aggro douchebag, uh, you know, West Texas represent. <laughs> and so, you know, he escalates it by bringing his friends over. And this was actually like, I thought this was funny because this is exactly what I would say. 
because Nat was sitting there tugging at his shoulder, like, we got to go, we got to go. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We got to go. We got to go. And Richard was like, no, no, no. I'm about to meet Chuck. What were their names? I'm just going to say Chuck and Todd. I'm about to meet Chuck and Todd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Hi, guys. Anyway, they do. Richard, like, quickly hits someone and runs away. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Sucker punch. Yeah, they get back to their trailer, and I said that Nat's actor is doing a really good job of acting drunk. Yeah, like, okay, we all remember the first time we were drunk. It wasn't long on dignity, and I think this is captured fairly well. Yes. Also, this kid drank whiskey, and when he drank it, he made the same face I made when I drank whiskey. I gotta be honest with you, I still make that face, you know, on the rare occasion that I find myself in front of whiskey, because... Hot take, alcohol does not taste that good. The reason we drink it is because it gets you fucked up. That's it. Like, you don't don't sit there with your whiskey and pretend like, oh, this is delicious. Fuck you. No, it's not. It burns. Hold on. I got to turn on my AC because that is a hot take. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Also, it's 97 degrees outside. <laughs> yeah, it is hot as hell. I am wearing the minimal amount of clothing inside my house and I'm sweating. I'm schwitzing like a schwanz. Nat makes the decision that they are going to find Richard's old high school flame. And I said, hey, Nat, don't turn Richard into a stalker. Richard already knows her street address, but is aware enough to not do anything with that information. Right. Which, like, good call. That's a good call. And Nat, being a stupid kid, decides, you know what? I'm going to try to connect these two lovebirds. Because after 25 years, nothing's changed in either of their lives. Being a little more generous, I referred to him as being too idealist. That's certainly one way to put it. Yeah. Like I said, a little more generous. Next day, they wake up and Richard sees that there's a bunch of birds and says, oh, that's not a good sign. It comes from an old Hopi legend. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's a neat little detail that Richard knows about native legends. And Nat mentions the same thing, and Richard actually makes an excellent point. This is one of his moments of competence, where he says, you're not doing your duty as an American if you're not familiar with the cultures and beliefs of the people who lived here first. So, and, and granted, he calls them Indians, which not great, but... Well, Nat says something about it. Yeah, Nat calls him on it, to which Richard responds, your entire generation is pussies. Didn't care for that. Also, no, Nat says yeah. that he is one-eighth Jewish, which I thought was funny. Yeah, he, there are not a lot of... Actually, I don't know. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Like, we love our Jews of color. Yeah, I looked this up. Jason Mantzoukas is Greek. Jason Mantzoukas is Greek, yes. I knew that. Tony, I don't quite remember his last name, is, I believe, Guatemalan. Not a lot of Jews in Guatemala, but there are some. <laughs> it, that that was the thing. I was like, is he... Is he He's got kind of like, you know, features that... that He is darker. Yeah, he looks like maybe Middle Eastern, maybe Indian. It's hard to place, but apparently Guatemalan. Okay. Yes. He's, I think, first generation American, but okay. heritage is Guatemalan. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, hey, that that's that's really cool. Juice of color. Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> they get to Sharon's house. Richard is super fucked up. Nat... I said he made a dumb decision doing this, but he's also all in on this decision. He does not have doubt in his mind. So he's being completely supportive. 
He's also very brave, but also he has nothing at stake here. Yes. Richard, on the other hand, decides that he doesn't want to do this, which is the correct decision, and tries to get out of it. But Nat drags him out of the car, knocks on the door for him and says before the door opens, this is for your own good. And I'm just in here like, you are a literal child. What the fuck do you know? A kid answers the door and says that Sharon is dead, but it turns out that's not true, and this kid is just playing a weird game with these strangers. And then we meet Sharon, and it's Casey Wilson, who is a delightful actress. Oh, yes. We, we, We love Casey Wilson. Richard and Sharon talk, and then Nat goes with the kid to her room. Her name's Ashley, and... Super uncomfortable! It is. Nat, I wrote that Nat is playing a game that a friend of mine from college called Hot or 14. <laughs> and you know what? It leans way closer to the latter, as it turns out. Absolutely. The, I don't know how to put into words what that game actually means. because It's tricky. But this is a girl that presents herself a little older than she is. Not much, but like a little bit. Turns out she's 15. But yeah, yeah. So she's 15. And she smokes, as a lot of 15-year-olds do, as a form of rebellion. And it's just, like, exhausting to watch because, holy shit, it takes me back a few years. I'm not going to say how many years, but a few. She's super angsty, and she's like, I can't wait to get out of this stupid town, away from these stupid people, blah, blah, blah. With my stupid friends, and, like, nobody's making you hang out with them, honey. True. And I said, I remember being an angsty teen and hating quite a lot. I don't remember saying, like... Fuck everything around me. I did. I ran away from home a couple times. I Okay. Yeah, we don't have time for that. But, like, I very much have, because I have been raised the way I have been, it's this weird kind of quasi-nomadic thing where, like, the longest I've ever spent living in one place was eight years. I've developed this kind of weird thing where... After a few years, I get kind of, like, antsy and ready to move on. And, like, I'll keep in touch with my friends, but also... mm. I get that. But I made a dark prediction in my notes that doesn't really matter to the text of the movie. Which is that if this child moved to L.A., she would probably overdose within the year. I mean, maybe. Okay, so, I mean, L.A., yeah. I mean, that's entirely possible. Jaded youth and all that. That, that's super not relevant, but that helped, like, saying that and writing it down gave me a sense of this character. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, she does She does have that thing where, like, if you saw her, like, on the street in L.A., you'd be like, that chick's gonna overdose real soon. Yeah. Richard is making an ass of himself while this is happening. Richard doesn't understand how women work. Holy shit, it's bad. Okay, so let's go ahead and get out in front of this one. Content warning for attempted sexual assaults, but also, like, not in a mean way. Coercive, yes. Mean, not so much. They're arguing back and forth about, you know, high school and, you know, how Richard feels. He dwells on this whole, you know, what if another path thing. And it's not even arguing for most of it, though. Yeah, it's mostly Richard just talking a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, so Richard tries to kiss what Sharon, Karen, and Sharon 
says no, 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 and pushes him away. And he tries again, which you can call it not sexual assault the first time. You can call it just being a fucking dumbass the first time. The second time, after you've been told no, that's assault, brother. So, um, yeah, full on is trying to, in his own words, if I kiss you, you'll remember or, or, you know, something along those lines. And like, she doesn't want to remember, dude. Yeah. She also does not respond in perhaps the best way and tries to just give him money. Yeah. Which is a weird, I don't know. I can't even. Although I do have to say Jason Mansukas does have a certain aura. Yes. And it is the kind of aura that you're like, do you need 20 bucks? And considering we met this character by him losing his job, whether his choice or not, not the worst instinct. Yeah. But as it turns out, this rankles Richard's pride a little bit. And I understand that. It is kind of insulting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they leave because you just got to get out of there. And I felt like the reaction was a lot more grounded in this movie than you would see in other ones. And I was like, oh, that's because indie movies can like do that. And they don't have to have this like, oh, everything's fine appeal. Yeah. So which reaction are you talking about here? I I wish I took better notes. I just, but they're like, that ended badly. We shouldn't have done that. Yes. Okay. So yeah, the realization that this was bad and actually kind of traumatizing for everyone involved was, it was, it was nice. It was another one of Richard's moments of clarity TM. And I think, I think, okay. I think Richard plays into another homeless hitchhiker stereotype here where he says, where Nat's like, all right, what can I do to, to make it up to you and get, get past this? He's like, you want to know what you can, you can, you can do? How about some food and like a lot of beer, like a lot of beer, like a six pack of beer, uh, no, 12, make it a case of beer. <laughs> and I'm just like, this dude's hustling you. I've seen this trick before. This dude's yeah. hustling you. And then when they go to get the food, Nat is not super rude, but not as nice as he could be to the people working. And Richard is like berating him for being not super nice. Just endlessly berating him. Oh, yeah. He's like, don't say hello. They'll talk to you when they're ready. Mm -hmm. Some of it Nat deserves. Some of it he doesn't. Yeah, honestly... As a person who has, you know, had fast food jobs multiple times in the past and was like, kind of, but also not really. Like, there have been times where in the mad rush of fast food work, I've forgotten there were people in the drive-thru. So the hello helps. Sometimes. Give it a minute first. <laughs> or or the dinger might be broken. I don't know. But yeah, so I I have kind of a nuanced opinion on all that. But for the most part, Richard's right. Like, you could be more polite. Or you could be faster. And I don't really care which as the person in the window. We see that Richard has a knife. And I said, look out, he's got a knife. (laughs) Okay, so the last thing you want is for your volatile hobo friend to pull out a knife while you're in the car together. I understand that being a thing that Nat kind of freaks out a little bit about. Yeah. But Richard helpfully chucks it onto the dashboard and, you know, lets it go. And then Nat... Takes it and throws out the window. We'll come back to that. Oh my god. But also, I would not trust Jason Mansukis with a knife. No. Although, 
if you ever saw his performance in the league, you know he's got like five on him at any given time. God, I love Rafi. Yes, Rafi was amazing. <laughs> and that show was semi-scripted, so there was only a vague outline as like, you do this, this is where you need to be at the end of the scene. Go to town, guys. They get to a motel. They're sleeping in the day because they super need to sleep. We start to see Nat become disillusioned. Yeah, so Nat is realizing that, like, the presence of other people is not always universally a boon and is growing tired of it. Nat and Richard are walking around and end up at a bar where they meet these two other women, Nina and Rebecca. And I said they are participating in Christian Girl Autumn. Okay, I object. Nina is participating in Christian Girl Autumn. Rebecca is giving off nice Jewish girl vibes. Yeah, it really was Nina that I was picking this up on, but I just wanted to make the joke. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it was classic. It's good. Yeah, so Nina is clearly a more free spirit type, and Rebecca is a little more straight-laced, but, you know, not unfun. Guess who I like more? It's Rebecca, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I said these personalities match up one to one. Like it's it's scripted. They can do this, but yeah, it up to and including their hairstyles. So Nina has a bit of a mane, and it's cute, and it very well plays off of Jason Manzukas's big Greek curly hair. It's kind of everywhere, but Rebecca has it pulled tight back in a ponytail, and Nate or Nat has kind of like a. How would we describe this? A full head of hair comb over? Like heavy bangs? A swoop. A swoop. There you go. A swoop. And it is a carefully manicured thing because like a lot of the dead time, he's fixing his hair. Mm -hmm. I thought this was really cute. Having them all together, at least for now. Yeah. So it's really cute. The idea that you you like meet people and, you know, you can have this brief thing and then go your separate ways like and you know that's the way this goes from jump street i think it's cute yeah rebecca is going to cal arts it's not quite clear if that's the same school nat is going to but they're both going to art school in la so they have that in common rebecca's finishing nat is starting so rebecca is a few years older than nat yes but she's trying to explain the art she makes and my note is that her sister is very dismissive of her art and artistic process, but also Rebecca's like way too serious about it. Yeah, so I have in my notes that Nina is uninterested, and I get that, but also like listening to professionals use their jargon deftly in conversation, like it's not a, you know, just dropping $3 words, you know, sentence full of them. Personally, I like that. I We don't have time to get into it. I like it. <laughs> also didn't know if we said this, but Nina and Rebecca are sisters. Yeah, yeah. Which makes the whole thing, honestly, a little bit weirder. A little bit. They do what I described as a montage of fun. Yeah, they do have, they do have a good time. They have a dance at the bar at the bar and then they go back to the hotel and they swim around in the pool one note i made was that the music during this reminded me of 
what I'm calling the Russian doll reset music. This is the music that plays every time a reset happens in the Netflix show Russian Doll. Would recommend, but the music, if you watch the whole series, gets super eerie. And so hearing something to that to me was analogous here, like really put me off this scene. I was like, they're having fun, but this also feels vaguely ominous. sinister. Yeah, ominous yeah. <laughs> is better. <laughs> Said good guy Richard takes his own advice because Nat and Rebecca go back to Nat's room and Richard is going down on Nina. Yeah, he is. And okay, look, I don't think the movie handles really well how weird it would be for Rebecca to see her sister getting munched on by a stranger. Yeah. They kind of laugh it off and then go to bed. Yeah. There is a really nice contrast, though, between Richard and Nina, who at very least had oral sex, mm -hmm. and Nat and Rebecca just kissing. So what I noted here was that in crude terms, you could say that Nina was up for it. She was into it the whole time. And Rebecca was a bit of a tougher nut to crack. And I think that, you know, as building up the trust required for, you know, good sex to occur goes, I think he did very well. But yeah, like one of my misadventures, I actually had a, a very similar misadventure in Sweden where I had a lovely night with a random Swedish lady. She took me home just to sleep with, like no sex at all. And like, I th it's, it's cute. It's fun. Yeah. Like, I think, I think it's adorable and, uh, you know, boundaries were respected and it was good. I describe this as passion versus restraint, mm -hmm. which that that's the core of their characters. Yeah. I have a lot more to say about it, but I want to save it for our discussion. Yeah. So we are, we are about into act two of this movie. <laughs> Yeah, th this movie has serious pacing problems. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say that. That's my that's my analytical hot take here. I had to watch this at two times speed the second time through. Richard does what I consider to be an insane move, and I think most people would. He decides that after one day of knowing this person, not even a full day, a fun night, he is going to propose with a ring that he got at the gas station. Which... God. Wow. Oh my god. Okay, I don't understand the universe in which this could be considered even by a person who is detached from reality in the way that Richard is would be a good idea. But he did, and everybody played it off as a joke except for Richard who was clearly hurt by it but does a really good job of hiding it. Now that I think about it though, he is like one day off of that meeting with Sharon, so his mind's already screwed well he's already a screwed up person besides but then had that meeting with sharon got him in a type of headspace of like where could my life be mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. i i think that like really pushed him to do this so yeah my advice is that even if you're the kind of person who falls in love like extremely fast have a bad date with the person before you decide you're going to propose bunch of stuff this blows up because of course it does. Yeah, because Richard can't keep his fucking mouth shut. He drops a uh, C-bomb. And obviously, and rightfully, the girls are furious. And they just decide, you know what? We're going to leave. They were going to, because Nat's car broke down, 
they were going to get a ride with them to LA, but then they just decided, nope, not riding with this guy. And <laughs> there's a there's a scene here. There's a, an exchange in this scene where Nat is trying to be like, well, I get why you, why Nina's mad, and I get why you're mad at him, but you're not mad at me, are you? And he's like, well, I, can I, can I call you? And she's like, call me, but I don't have your phone number. And then she drives off, and like that, mm, you had to know that was not going to happen. Yeah, that's that's tough. They have a shouting match. Richard calls out Nat for his, I described it as poverty porn, but, but poverty tourism is probably closer. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a poverty tourist. Yeah. So so Nat is just 110% done with Richard and wants to get the fuck away from him. But Richard has a solution to this problem pretty conveniently. A friend named Francois, who he assures us will show up and do whatever needs to get done to get them to L.A. Because now they're both going to L.A. Right. Well, he does show up, and it's Ron Livingston! Hell yes! I love it! I love to see my favorite character actors still getting work after all these years. And, by the way, Ron Livingston looks fucking amazing! Yeah. He, he, he doesn't look that much different off of Office Space. Yeah. So... He has changed very much from when Richard knew him. He's now a family man. Drives a Prius, has a kid in the back. That reminds me. As they're leaving, I said, I know why they do this for movie reasons, but why is Nat sitting in the center of the back seat? It's entirely for movie reasons. Presumably because of his bag? Absolutely not. There's no way no. you no, that choose play. to sit in the center. But it makes sense because it's a movie. You need to see your actor. Yeah, and like, popping out from behind the driver's side was not an option. Francois kind of gives the lesson, without saying it explicitly, that you kind of need to grow up sometime. Yeah, which is the, you know, if you didn't realize this, if you haven't put this together yet, doing the hero's journey, it's just the hero's journey. And yeah, so so this was, you know, got a good piece of advice that'll set him on his path. And so uh, we continue on. Francois, however, he misses a turn, claiming that they're going on a shortcut. They get into the middle of fucking nowhere in Gila, New Mexico, and he holds them up at gunpoint with a baby in the car. You asshole. What if you had to shoot him? What if they had a gun, Francois? You asshole. Well, this is where we get the payoff for Nat throwing away the knife, because Richard's like, where is my knife? I could have shanked him if i had it yeah and we find out during the car ride that the knife was the only thing that richard has of his father's and then they don't touch on that ever again ever again it's just dropped it's forgiven which is whatever yeah can you explain something to me as you understood it why is he holding them up like i get that it's money but he seems to be doing fine yeah no no that this is not a crime of necessity. This is revenge. So Francois has been caring for Richard for decades now and is just sick of his bullshit. And this was good revenge. Also money. Okay. Okay. You don't get a lot of money without liking having money. So see the money, you want the money. Okay. Okay. Nat and Richard have to start walking, and they shoot the breeze about stuff. I didn't really care. But they get picked up by a nice lady the next morning. 
And in this scene... Yeah, and I swear to God, I thought I recognized the actress, but it turns out I didn't. I don't know either. This scene, she says something that put together a lot of pieces for me. This is where I'm coming back to Nat being 19. Okay. So, Nat being 19 is weird. Him entering college the same semester that someone is leaving, also a little weird by how college works. But this woman mentions that it's January, which means that he is starting in the spring semester, which also makes sense why someone is then graduating and why he's 19. He could have a birthday. Yeah, he he has a later birthday or an earlier birthday, rather. And then, like, he just took half a semester to, like, earn money for this trip or something. Yeah, that was the one question that it then left me with is, why did he start a semester later? But I also was willing to take that over. Why is he waiting till he's 19 to start? So this is also where you get a sense because you learn it's January. You also, if you didn't know this, New Mexico in January, it's a lot colder than you think it is. It's the desert. Yes, but it's also a cold fucking desert in the winter. Snow is not uncommon. And especially at night. Yeah, at night, especially. And they have to walk overnight. They do a fun little hitchhiking scene to get back at Francois because, most importantly, he took Nat's camera, which is worth a lot of money and was a gift. Well, and also his ID. Yes. <laughs> it's also a little bit important. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's going to get his shit back. Yeah. The guy who gave them a ride doesn't have lines, but it's like, what a nice guy. Yeah. And, like... Because we do, Richard does have some lines to this person, we do kind of get an idea of what their thing is. This is a guy who drives a minivan who Richard says, thanks for the ride and I hope you get your kids back. And I'm just like, oh, tragedy. (laughs) He's still rocking the minivan. Nat is trying to be sneaky by ducking down a bit. And Richard correctly points out that if you do that in the middle of the day, it's way more suspicious. Yeah, I don't want to sit here and, like, present myself as somebody who knows how to inconspicuously rob a house, because I don't. But it does strike me that, like, okay, yes, your target is armed and presumably dangerous, so you don't want to be seen, and if at all possible, but also, like, it looks suspicious as fuck, and one of the neighbors is going to call the cops. They break into his house and are only able to do so by these crazy coincidences, which I thought was, like, plot convenience and kind of dumb, but it also, each time, makes Richard look really stupid because he says, that's not going to work, and then it does. So that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so he's like, what are you doing? The front door's not going to be open, and sure enough, it wasn't. And so he goes around the back, he's like, well, the back's not going to be open either, and the back is open. He's like, Fuck you. <laughs> Yeah. This isn't composed like a high-stakes scene, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. but it still conveys the stakes of, if you get caught, you are dead. Yeah. Also, like, to be fair, though, he is breaking into a house where the guy who you know has a gun has his wife and child. So, like, maybe don't do that. Maybe don't give someone a reason to murder you. But also, you need your shit back. So it turns out that it's all still in the Prius. So they just need the keys to the Prius. Mm -hmm. They nearly get away with it. And then Richard decides to add insult to injury and poop on his front stoop. Which, classic. 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 
Dude, it was so funny, man. <laughs> and then, sure enough, Francois wakes up and comes out and starts choking the life out of Richard. And, like, it doesn't look like the classic, you know, like, I'm just taking out some anger on you. This is, this is like, I'm going to kill you now. Choke out. <laughs> You're going to die. Say your last goodbyes. So then Nat comes up and cracks him on the back of the head with a pot plant. Yeah. They're able to get away. And Jason Mansukis is, is like impressed with Francois. Yeah. So and <laughs> I said, Richard just lives by his own code. So I do understand a little bit. Okay. Richard is terrified because he almost died. And a certain kind of person, me, <laughs> When they are in that position, they're to minimize. It helps them feel better, project a, a, an air of calm confidence. I've done the same thing a number of times in life-threatening scenarios. I talked shit to a guy who had a gun in my face. I was about to pee, but the guy, like, I didn't want to portray, you know, someone who is scared. So, like, yeah, like, it's a thing, is my point. Right. But he's like, no, I respect it. He had to come at me. Yeah. It's like, it's good to know that Francois is still in the game. <laughs> Very soon after this, Nat goes off to college and decides not to take most of his stuff because yep. he's given up material possessions, I guess. Well, so that's that's a thing that's been kind of hinted at the entire time. So like when Nat's car broke down, Richard suggested to him that, well, I mean, you don't need any of this shit. Like, what do you really need? your camera and a couple of changes of clothes that's it and you know what richard's right i've learned to live with very little i've traveled light and you do realize that you don't actually need that much yes so nat has learned that lesson he goes off to college we have a montage of him at college developing photos being in his dorm and we see richard made it to vegas and has a good old time yeah, he walks through the casino, sits down in a slot machine, roll credits. Yeah, so I guess now we talk about... Oh, sorry, I should clarify. Roll credits over footage of him at the slot machine. So we still see it. Yeah, so I guess now we move on to analyzing this movie. So like I said, it's a driving movie. This is the hero's journey. Like, it almost literally a hero's journey. So there are a couple of things here that kind of come to mind. Like, there... <sighs> I've got something. Go for it. So one thing that, like, made me especially realize that it's Hero's Journey is they straight up say, you've changed to Nat yeah. towards the end. Yeah. If I may, I'd like to read off Dan Harmon's story circle, which is his adaptation of whoever made the Hero's Journey that was based on Joseph Campbell's thing. Go for it. It's an eight-step process. The first is, a character is in a zone of comfort, but they want something. They enter an unfamiliar situation, adapt to it, get what they wanted, pay a heavy price for it, then return to their familiar situation, having changed. Okay. Yeah. So, the thing that I really thought was worth mentioning requires a couple more steps than, than is laid out in that. So... I'm not going to go through each of these, but mm -hmm. the Joseph Campbell monomyth is typically broken into a couple of different sections. So you've got call to adventure, uh, refusal of the call, supernatural aid, crossing the first threshold, belly of the whale, road of trials, meeting with the goddess, woman as temptress, 
Atonement with Father, Apotheosis, The Ultimate Boon, The Refusal of Return, Magic Flight, Rescue from Without, Crossing the Return Threshold, Master of Two Worlds, and Freedom to Live. And that is like the the steps of the Joseph Campbell monomyth based on the hero with a thousand faces. So without getting into all of it, like you can pick and choose, but these are typically the way they progress. So what I have here is that the ultimate boon, I'm torn between whether this is Francois, you know, truth bombs and, you know, also, uh, what's her name? The lady picking them up after the thing with Francois. Also, the Francois thing could be atonement with father for Richard, who claims that, like, Francois was responsible for, like, helping him grow up. That and that's when he brings up that the knife was his father's. That's true. Yeah. So this is beat for beat, just a hero's literal journey. Yeah, in that sense, this is a well plotted. I mean, we talked about the pacing, but like the plot of it is well structured. Yeah, well plotted, poorly paced. <laughs> yes. One thing I really wanted to talk about that I've been thinking about a lot lately is we've talked about Freud quite a bit on this podcast. Yeah, we have. And I realized he is complete horseshit scientifically speaking. Yes, he is. But his conclusions that have now permeated the collective consciousness, that's a Carl Jung thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Make really good motifs. The way like Seven Deadly Sins is not really a thing, but they make good motifs and work well as story elements. So in this way, I saw Richard and Nat as the id versus the super ego. Yeah, that is perfect, actually. So id versus superego. Id is your base desires, the, the desire for fulfillment, typically temporal wants. And then the superego is kind of the more cerebral. Longevity. Yeah, lo- yeah, yeah. Thinking about tomorrow and like not necessarily wanting what feels good right now, right now. Yes. As I said earlier, passion versus restraint. Exactly. That's that's a really good way to summarize it, I think. Yes. And then the ego is the sort of forwardness of consciousness. Well, yeah, so you could you could view the ego as Nat and Richard in a car driving down the road. Like as a unit, as a as a traveling group, they are collectively all of us. <laughs> yeah. Much like this podcast. Certainly. One other thing that came to mind is I had seen this in like a Tumblr post. So take it with the grain of salt of being just social media posting. But something I had seen described Harold and Kumar as a revolutionary movie because it was a dumb stoner comedy that just happened to have two non-white people. I will say it's interesting that, you know, there were very few good white people in that movie and the two good white people in that movie were Jews in Harold and Kumar? Yeah. Did you did you see Harold and it's Kumar? It's been a while. Okay. But the point was like a lot of times when a minority group of some kind has a movie made about them, it focuses a lot on their status as a minority and it can be valuable to have representation that doesn't just focus on the minority status. Harold and Kumar was not about 
John Cho being East Asian and Kel Penn being Indian? South Asian, yeah. Thank you. So, interestingly enough, though, it kind of was. Yeah. They reject it, but in rejecting it, they bring attention to it. Yes. But again, that's not the whole movie. Yeah, that's right. So similarly, this is a road trip movie that has non-white people. Yeah. And, you know, fundamentally, it's a good thing. I thought it was, I honestly didn't notice this. But now that you mention it, yeah. I mean, the main characters are both non-white. And it's good representation. Although, I'm not sure we need a whole lot of crazy person representation from, like, non-white communities necessarily i mean it's good that we recognize that everyone can suffer from mental illness and homelessness and you know look like a crazy person on the best of days but like is it a good look i don't know that strongly ties into jason manzoukas being the actor who did this though yeah and like you mentioned jason manzoukas is greek and greece is a country with an interesting history when it comes to whiteness. So if you didn't know this, for a long time, Greeks were not considered white. I think they became like they they were considered white about the same time Italians were considered white. So that would be like, I think the 1950s or 60s. Before we move on to just general thoughts, did you want to talk more about the poverty tourism? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. It's poverty tourism. Okay. So... As a young sailor lass, I was stationed on a ship that did counter-narcotics patrols, so we would do counter-smuggler operations off the coast of Latin America. And so we pulled into ports like Acajutla, El Salvador, to date one of the saddest places I've ever been. We pulled into a couple of places in Guatemala, Costa Rica, Panama was kind of our like forward operating area. Because we, we have a friendly enough relationship with the Panamanian government that we can use our old military base there. We did port calls in like Colombia, Peru, Ecuador. I've been to Chile and, and, and you know, all over the Pacific coast. I've been pretty steeped in poverty that like even like no American experiences this level of poverty or almost no American where like the neighborhood that you're in is made from scrap. That's just, that's not a thing that we experience in America. So it irks me a little bit that like people, it, it it's something that we need to talk about because poverty in the, in Latin America especially is primarily America's fault, but it's something that you don't need to go there to understand and experience. And it is in fact a demonstration of a massive amount of privilege to people who did not ask you to come, did not want you to come, and are not happy to see you, that you're like, oh, I just decided to come down here and live because it's more real. Like, you know what? I hope you get malaria. There. (laughs) So poverty porn is bad. Don't do it, kids. Poverty sucks. That's all you need to know. Yeah. What about Nat? Do you think he's doing that same level of poverty tourism? I don't know that he's... I mean, he does equate like low income Americana with poverty. Like, I don't ever see him take a picture of something upscale. I think he took a picture of, okay, so he took a picture of a Panda Express on the middle, on the edge of nowhere, a sit down, I think it was like a Texas Roadhouse or something flying an American flag, a 
closed down, I think it was probably a theater. He took a picture of the bumpkins at the bar. Richard sticking his arm through barbed wire. Richard sticking his arm through barbed wire. Yeah, there was that. He also took a picture of a 15-year-old girl. No, he fakes out that. Oh, does he? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he fakes taking a picture of a 15-year-old girl. He, for real, takes a picture of Rebecca, but honestly, like, all of his shit, like, trying to capture real America is trying to capture poor America, which implies that poor America is real America. And nope, super fucking no. And I hate that. I really fucking hate that. But it's it's kid shit. It's a 19-year-old's view on the world, a rich 19-year-old's view on the world. I can excuse it because it's meant to be naive. We are saying he's rich, and he is certainly well-to-do. I do think it's a little funny because his car's shit. Like, he's not amazingly rich. He's doing well. well. Yeah, but also this, this trip involves zero risk for him because... If anything happens, he can just call mom and dad. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like that's a thing, because if I had tried the same thing, I would have been up shit creek, like all the way up shit creek. I would have been in Nat's position, basically fine. (laughs) I would have been absolutely in Richard's position trying to work my way to Vegas. Any more things to discuss in an analytical sense? I don't think so. I think that's everything. This is one of those movies that's like a little bit drier because there's nothing, there's not all that much to uncover. The metaphor is very, very clear. I really only had two notes. One is that I identified with Nat a lot and we've gone over this throughout Mm -hmm. this episode. The other is that I do like this movie a lot. It's hard to take notes about and talk about because the verb of what they do is drive. And the dialogue is a lot of shooting the breeze. Yeah, it's a movie where fundamentally nothing really happens. Or like nothing really important happens. It's it's a bunch of random occurrences that happen to you on the road. So sorry that there's not a lot of just general thoughts, but... Yeah, and, and I do want to say that I did enjoy this movie, despite like being just called out by the existence of Richard. <laughs> I'm mostly reforms now. With that in mind... Let's get into our ratings. Hell yeah. So first, enjoyment, how well you think it was made, however you want to take this one. I think this was, you know, very well made. It was an independent movie, like you said. And aside from just being like a caricature of me being the id of this movie, I think it was fun. I enjoyed it. So I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a uh, 7.5, 7.5. That is exactly what I was thinking. Mm. Like, it's good, but also it's just a lot of people talking. Yeah. Yeah. And not all of it is interesting. That is true. And then on the scale of obscurity. Big name actors who've had lots of like big name work before. I'd never heard of this movie. As far as I know, it's not available on any streaming services. I watched this on Netflix. You God damn it. Really? That's why I have the Just Watch link, so you can see if it's on streaming services. Oh, fuck. Okay. I'm going to have a Richard moment here. Like, <laughs> God damn it, you're blowing my mind here. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I know that's why you have the Just Watch links. I just don't click them. Yeah. <laughs> I need to do that. So I rented this on YouTube. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was like four bucks. Who cares? I'm in a financial position now where I can afford four bucks. We'll come back to that. <laughs> 
No, so yeah, I would say probably obscurity. I would say is probably like a straight down the middle five. Same page. That hey, is all right. That's creepy. Crazy. Yeah, it's like it's fate. Yes, <laughs> that's a callback from the movie. Go watch the movie. It's fun. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, about five obscurity. I knew about this because. I happened to watch an interview a few years ago with Jason Manzukis, and it goes, oh, hey, I'm in this movie that's coming out. Huh. It was like Seth Meyers or something. So, like, it got its publicity. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But Five also represents that it didn't leave a massive impact. People aren't really still talking about it unless they're trying to find not-so-well-known movies like we are. Yeah, I was about to say, we're still talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> As we wrap up our episode, we go to our pop culture pop-outs, where we talk about piece of pop culture that we're interested in currently. I think Sophia is very excited to talk about hers. I don't know that excited is the right word. Crying out for help is probably a better way to put this. So I am a nerd of a certain age, and I will not tell you what that age is. So for a long time, I've been involved in uh, Warhammer 40k lore. That's a thing that I've really enjoyed for a long time. And if you know anything about that community, you have the lore community and you have the player community. And I'm thinking about making the switch. So I'm going to be one of those dorks with like a monocle and a tiny paintbrush painting my little army of figurines that I've glued together. I mean, I had a friend in high school whose dad and subsequently him and his brother were really into warhammer not the 40k variant mm. and sometimes i'd go to their house and they have a big table set up and it's it's interesting stuff not for me personally i'm a broke bitch yeah i mean i'm in a i'm in a financial position where i can shell out for that kind of stuff and that's the callback that's the callback <laughs> or i guess what's a call forward i don't know it doesn't matter <laughs> let's call forward to a joke i haven't made yet <laughs> Yeah, Warhammer 40k, how about you? Mine this week is a show called Kim's Convenience. It is about a Korean family that has a convenience store in Toronto. This is, it's not a Netflix show, but that's where most people will see it. I believe it recently got cancelled in the TV sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So there's five seasons. Fifth season came out maybe a week or two ago, uh, but it's very good. Sophia, where can people find you online? I am on Twitter at Hamilcarinina, H-A-M-I-L-C-A-R-E-N-I-N-A. -I -I I'm also a history dork and a literature dork. It just never ends. I am sticking my big toe into the, back into the waters of Quora.com. I am Sophia Helena Maestatricht there. I am also Sophia Helena Maestatricht at Medium, and I'm on Instagram at Sophia H underscore MDT, and I think that's where you find me, I think. How about you? Where, where can people find you? I am on Twitter at Kyle the Giggles, and I am on Tumblr under Hebrohammer. Hell yeah. Yes. If you'd like, there is a link at the bottom of the show notes where you can leave a voice message for the show. You can contribute to the movie discussion if you'd like you can leave a pop culture pop out if you're so interested in but so that you know what movie to talk about sophia what are we doing next time next time we're doing unicorn store this is a netflix movie 
that was also Brie Larson's directorial debut. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not know this movie exists, which is why I love doing this podcast so much. Yeah. And with that, we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.